What are we doing on Wednesday nights? Well, we're studying the book of Ephesians, which uh, I don't know that I've ever in 30 years of pastoring preached through a book except for John, uh, John's gospel, and did that not too long ago. But Ephesians is my... If I had to say this is my favorite book, it is my favorite book in the Bible. Um, I like the church of Ephesus. Um, I, I just study a lot out of Ephesians. And so I could just, we could be doing this for years upon years. And however, he has taken months upon months. And we're in chapter number four. And we left you off with God can do exceeding. Y'all liked that one, didn't you? Didn't you like Ephesians 3.20? God can do, let's all quote it together. God can do what? exceeding abundantly above all we could ever ask or think according to this power that works in us. You got some power in you? I said, you got some power in you? You got some dunamis in you? Amen. So what's after uh, verse 20, 21? Unto him be glory to the church by Christ Jesus through all the ages of the world uh, without end. Can I get an amen is what it's asking and amen you got. So let's look at chapter four, but let's look at in the amplified let's go classic amplified classic so we're going to start in ephesians chapter 4 verse 1 amplified classic i know it's not in my notes who's ever up there but that's where we're going to start so there we go i therefore the prisoner for the lord appeal to you and beg you to walk lead a life worthy of the divine calling which you have been called with behavior that is credit to the summons to God's service. So, well, this is talking about what it's talking about later, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So this is not talking to me, so let's move on, Pastor Mark. Well, this is talking about you because this is not talking about yet apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Because every one of you have been called. Be a little more enthusiastic about it. Every one of you, I didn't say you were called to preach. I didn't say that you were called to teach. I didn't say that you were called to be a minister, but every one of you have been called. Number one, everyone in this room is called to be a minister of reconciliation. How's your ministry going? How's your ministry going? You might ask me how yours is going. And I say, well, good. Y'all here, look at y'all. Hallelujah. But how's yours going? You didn't like that? How's your ministry? The Bible said, well, I don't know what to say. The Bible says you've been given a word of reconciliation. Uh, the Bible says in Galatians 6.1, I'm just going to help you all. Galatians 6.1 says that you're called to restore people. Amen? You who are spiritual. Well, that leaves me out. No, it doesn't. You are the spiritual ones. Am I in the right church? Did I, go, did I pull in the wrong place? Say, I am spiritual. Mean it. Say, I am spiritual. What does it mean? Well, I know how to walk in the spirit. Jesus said my words, their spirit and life. You know the word of God. Well, I don't know everything yet. Well, neither do I. Neither does anybody else. And we only know in part and prophesy in part. We don't know everything. Nobody knows everything. You know, I know some ministers act like they know everything, but they don't. Uh, we, I don't know everything. You don't know everything. I know some people who act like they know everything. But we don't. We know what the Lord has revealed to us. We know what we know, but we're all growing, right? But you are spiritual. But you are spiritual. So what is your ministry? I'm a minister. What is reconciliation? Reconciliation is restoring. You reconcile, number one, them to God. But you can also reconcile someone who's backslidden. 
You can reconcile a sick person. You can reconcile just uh, someone without peace. You can reconcile them back to God. That is your job as a minister of reconciliation. You've been given the word of God. How many know you can even pray, Lord, give me a word in due season that will refresh the weary. When you go to work tomorrow, when you're uh, at the, you know, dealing with your children's stuff, when you're dealing, uh, you know, when you're at Walmart or Kroger, wherever you're at, the Lord can, can I mean, in your neighborhood while you're walking your dog, your dog needs walk, right? And you run into people instead of just, you know, bypassing people. Um, that's a nice doggy. I got a nice doggy. Let's chat a minute. And you know, and you, who knows what could happen? All right. Everybody say it. I am a minister of reconciliation. So what are we supposed to be do? Well, we're supposed to behave. We're supposed to behave with, act like we are ministers, Y'all want me to act like a minister? I want you to act like a minister. How about that? So let's all act the same way. Let's all act godly. Oh, I know I could. I know I could. Should I? Hallelujah. (laughs) Glory. 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 It's not going to let me move on until I do it. Hallelujah. Glory. You know, honestly, Saturday night, you ought to be the same person you are on Sunday morning. Nobody on my worship team on Sunday morning is out playing in the bar on Saturday night. We ought to all act like you don't have a secular life and a sacred life. You just have one. That's what we're going to talk about today. One. We're going to talk about one. Everybody say one. one. Yeah. So I did. Now let's move on, can we? Hallelujah. With all lowliness and meekness. So how are we supposed to do this? With lowliness, with meekness. So living as it becomes you with complete lowliness of mind, humility. So are you and I supposed to be humble? It's okay for a humble person to say they're humble. Hallelujah. Because it really just means I come under God. Does it mean, you know, there's false humility. A lot of people, false humility is not true humility. Humility is just, I totally rely on God all the time. A humble person is someone who can be very strong, have a strong personality, have a strong work ethic, have be strong because they can be strong because they're not strong in themselves, but they're strong in the Lord. So being humble just means to come under. So, you know, you've heard people say, uh, especially to, you know, I've heard them especially say to guys, well, you know, uh, are you using Jesus like a crutch? You know, are you weak? You need a religion because you're weak. Well, I need, I don't have religion, number one. Number, I have a relationship with God because in myself I am weak. But in him I'm really strong. Amen. And with meekness, what is that? Unselfishness, gentleness, mildness. With patience, bearing with one another, bearing with one another, and making allowances because you love one another. So love is very important here. And uh, it says, forbearing one another. King James says, forbearing one another in love. So how I many you know we've already looked at this, but Ephesians, has, as well as 1 John, has a lot to do because God is love. And the, number, the two commandments that you and I are supposed to be walking in today are what? To love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and to love who? Your neighbor as what? Well, so first of all, you got to get yourself healed because if you're not healed in your soul, you're not going to love everybody right. So you need to get yourself healed and you need to love your neighbor, right, as you love yourself. And so 
I believe that, so here he's talking to ministers and he's saying, be lowly, be meek, have long suffering and forbear one another in love. Verse three, it says this, verse three says, be eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness and, and produced by the spirit in the binding power of, of, of peace. Everybody say oneness. Okay, let's go on. Uh, let's look at this. I'm just going to look at this in the King James. So let's switch back to the King James chapter number uh, four and verse four. Verse four, it says this, there is how many bodies? How many? How many bodies of Christ are there? Well, you can say, well, you know, we can look even in Madison. How many churches are there? So there's 30 bodies. No, that's not even true. There's 100 bodies of Christ here. No, there's just one body, many churches. I know we all say this is, we are, we are part of the body of Christ. We are not the only body of Christ. You, your body is part of the body of Christ. Not just your spirit, not just your soul. Your body is even part of the body of Christ. That's why you got to watch what you do with your body. Because your body this body you're going to have forever. I'm not going to have this body forever. I'm going to lay it down. No, you're going to get it redone. Why would there be a resurrection? He's resurrecting the dead, giving them a new body. You're, you're going to be you. You're just going to be the best you you've ever been. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You're going to look better than you've ever looked. Hallelujah. But it's going to be this body. Well, I was hoping to get a new one. You are, but it's just going to be this one made brand new. Just like your spirit was made new. Amen. How many bodies are there? How many bodies of Christ are there? And one spirit. That's talking about, it's capitalized, it's the Holy Spirit. How many Holy Spirits are there? Just one. Even as you are called in how many hopes? In one hope of your calling. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, verse five, how, how many Lords are there? Because you go back, you're going to see the Godhead in this. It says there's one Holy Spirit. How many Holy Spirits? One. It's, it's amazing to me that the Holy Spirit is saying so many different things that contradict one another today. One prophet says one thing, one prophet says, thus says the Lord, blah, 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 blah. Listen to that one. Thus says the Lord, blah, 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 blah. Kupla. That's a little, hang on. Anyway, um, uh, what is that? It's just the opposite of the other one. Who's right? Well, you have to go back to the word and that's why you're supposed to judge it. Just because somebody puts a, a doctor prophet in front of their name and they have a large following doesn't make them right. Especially if it doesn't agree with the word. And yes, it is. people get mad. Well, you shouldn't judge me. Well, I'm not judging you. I'm judging what you said. And that's what the Bible tells me to do. And if you get mad because I judge what you said, then you probably what you said wasn't from the Lord because he wouldn't mind being checked up on because he'll give two, three, four, five witnesses of one thing he's talking about. And he don't mind you uh, looking into it to see if it's true or not. He likes it, actually. He likes them Bereans to see if what was said was really written. And that's what was said. How many lords? So this is talking about Jesus. How many Jesuses are there? How many faiths are there? No, there's multiple faiths on there. According to the Lord, there's just one. According to the Lord, there's just one faith. How many? Just one. How, how many Holy Ghosts? How many hopes did you have? Just one. How many Lords are there? Just one. How many faiths are there? Just one. How many baptisms? Just one. Verse 6. One God. How many gods are there? <laughs> Why is he doing it? One. He likes the number one. One God and Father. So, so you got one Holy Ghost, one Jesus, one God. That's it. One faith, one baptism. 
One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. <laughs> who is above all, he's through all, and he's in you all. He's above all, he's through all, and he's in each and every one of you. He's in, he's from the south, he's in you all. And but to every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And so we'll get into that part next week, but I want you to see one. And so uh, this thing about one God the Father, one Jesus Christ, one Holy Ghost, one faith, one baptisms. Yes, there are many ways that people do many things, but there is, and I've said this before, but this is the scripture where I get it from, there is a right way. Well, there's not many ways unto God, there's just one. Jesus said, I am the way. There's no other way. There's only one way to the Father. There's not many ways. There's not, now listen, y'all. I know there's many interpretations of the scripture, but there is one, one, one right way to interpret it. Well, I got this out of it and you got this out of it. We don't agree. Well, I don't have to be disagreeable with anybody, but there is a right way. And I'm not saying that I have the right way. I try to have the right way by looking at scripture and with scripture and checking out. If you're saying anything that nobody else is saying, you ought to kind of look. You got a real special revelation that nobody else has. It's a little scary, right? So... So, but I'm, I just want you to get, say, say it real strong, say one. And so the Lord, because he's one, how many of you know, uh, Jesus said, Father, you and I are one. And then what do you want for you and I? He wanted us to be one. Didn't he? What's big to him? Father, Son, Holy Ghost, one. Three, but one. What did Jesus want? Father, you and I are one, but those that you give me, I haven't lost any of them, but I want them to be one. There, what I want to go back to is verse 3, and I want to talk to you about this. I love talking about this. Uh, I think it's a really important subject, and this is what jumps off the page at me for tonight. Verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. And so peace, no drama. Peace is big to God. Heaven is full of peace. And the Lord Jesus, remember what he said? My peace I leave you. Not as the world gives. So there's a false peace. A false peace is what? Some people are only at peace when everything's okay. When, when, when nothing is wrong. Well, I don't know about you, but I don't know where that's at. Where is that? There is none of that anymore. Um, there is no everything's okay. And that's why a lot of people who are not born again are always in an uproar. Because their soul is not at peace. Because remember, they don't have peace with God. And if you don't have peace with God, you can never have the peace of God. So we've got to get them to have peace. Remember I said this to you? I said a lot of times and I heard uh, where I'm from and I, I heard, you know, because I grew up around church and my mamaw was in church and I, I heard this, this thing and it stuck with me. Uh, before someone would die, they would say they made their peace with God. And that's really kind of a true saying because when you receive Jesus as Savior, you have peace with God and you're not afraid to go meet him. 
But if you don't have peace with God, uh, but how many are you? I think you're all, this is Wednesday night, y'all born again. Then you've made peace with God and now you have the peace of God. And you can, and you, how do you keep the peace of God? Well, you believe it came from Jesus. You keep your mind stayed on him and it'll keep you in perfect peace. Amen. And so peace here has, uh, it, it is a sign or it is a, one of the ways you can tell there's unity is because there's a lot of peace. And so unity, I want you to see this, endeavoring to keep. Can you pull that up in the Amplified? Ephesians 4 and 4. Ephesians 4 and 4, Amplified, classic. There is one body. Is that the one I want? Okay, I'm sorry. I told you wrong one. Get three. There you go. Be eager. There's what I want. Everybody say be eager. Uh-oh. That means this is kind of like something not, peace is not, to get it, it's not start, it doesn't start laid back. So i got to eager and strive earnestly to guard and keep the harmony and oneness. And I like it here in the Amplified because it goes back to oneness. And uh, produced by the Spirit in the binding power of peace. So be eager and strive earnestly to guard. So one of the things you got to do uh, in your life is guard the peace. Because the, the evil one, the enemy, loves chaos. And I guarantee you, anytime you see chaos, you'll find the devil. I'm going to say it again. Anytime you see chaos and people of chaos, you will find the devil. He thri- the devil thrives in chaos. The devil loves chaos. God, not so much. Not so much. He likes a garden where everything is in order, where he sets a man and woman over it, and he, tell them, he tells them to maintain it, and he gives them authority over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. The devil. And he likes peace. Now, I, I'm hopeful what I see in the book of Revelation. I'm not hopeful. I know it's true. When I get to heaven, I'm not expecting any chaos. I'm not expecting church quiet like I grew up in because there's lightnings and thunders around the throne. I, so, I'm not, so I'm not saying you can have peace and excitement because heaven's exciting. It's pretty thrilling up there. I mean, you got angels going through. You and I are going to be walking through doors. I mean, we're, whatever. We're, lots of great things are going to happen. You're, you're not going to grow any wings. That would be a demotion. You don't turn into an angel when you die. You're above them. You're above them. They're okay with me saying it because they know it. What is a man that you are mindful of him? The son of man, you go visit him. You've created him a little lower than Elohim. That's God. So, you know, so heaven's a cool place. But it's full of peace and unity. Aren't you glad the Godhead has never fought? And the angels that did, they ain't there. Why? Why? Number one, God's not putting up with chaos. No rebellion. Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning to the earth. And all that one third that had a bright idea that somebody could be bigger and better than God, all chained up. God loves peace. No, you got to understand. God loves peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. 
Guard it. Guard it. Guard it in your husbands and wives. Guard it in your home. Don't you let a teenager ruin your peace. Guard it. Teach your children to be at peace. You will have undisturbed composure. Well, I, I, I started too late. It's never too late. They're already a teenager. Good. Hallelujah. Teach them how to walk in peace. Yeah, but they're throwing things up to me that I used to do wrong. I throw it up to heaven, cover it, cover it and remove by the blood and tell them everything's going to be right. But from today on, we're, we're walking in peace around here. And we're not going to put up with lying either. Well, that's good. Hallelujah. Lying destroys peace. Well, it's just a little lie. Who came up with that? Color-coded lies. Please. Give me a break. A lie is a lie, and it's from the father, the devil. Jesus said, you're of your father, the devil. He's a liar. So any lies has its root. Well, I'm just, I don't want to hurt their feelings. Well, you don't have to lie about it. Someone asks you a question, just ignore it. Hallelujah. Answer me. You don't want me to. Hallelujah. You don't want me to. No, I want you to. No, you don't want me to. Trust me, you don't want me to. Hallelujah. So what we're going to do, we're going to be eager. We're going to strive earnestly to guard. Everybody say guard. Keep the harmony and oneness. So let's talk about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11. Finally, brethren, uh, Paul's writing to the Corinthians. He said, farewell, be perfect, be of good comfort, be of one mind, live in peace. So you see the one mind, you see the oneness, you see unity. So unity there, translated in verse 3 of, Hebrew, of uh, Ephesians 4, everybody else, everywhere else it's one. One, but it's the same thing. One. One is unity. One. We're at one. We're at one accord. So let's, look at, so let's look at it. So finally, brethren, farewell. Be perfect or be mature. Be of good comfort. Be of one mind. Live in peace. So you've got to be of one mind, one heart, and then therefore you can live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So we're guarding our heart. We're guarding this peace. We're of one mind. We're living in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. Philippians 1.27. Philippians 1.27, only let your conversation be as it becomes the gospel of Christ, that whether I come to see you or am absent or, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs and that you stand fast in one spirit. So I just want to show you throughout the epistles, I want to show you what the word of God says about one heart, one mind, one spirit. It says I, that I may hear of yours, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. So it's very important for the Lord that the body of Christ be of one mind, be of one heart, be of one spirit. He likes everything one. He likes everything one. Hallelujah. I said he likes everything one. This is not in my notes, but uh, it's a preview of next week. You know, he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What for? You're going to get a little of this on Sunday too. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Everybody say work. And so my job is to get you to go to work. My job, come on, it's Wednesday night. I should have got a better amen than that. Because I know you're all doing your part. I know you're serving God. My job is to get you to go to work. My job is to get you to go to work. Thank you. If you ain't working, that means I'm not doing my job right. And I take that 
serious. Okay? We're in Ephesians 4, 13. Till we all come to the unity. See, even my job is to minister the word to you, to get you to work, to grow you up. But with that comes unity. The Lord is really, really big about this. Till we all come into the unity. Watch those in the body of Christ who come among us to divide. That's a wolf. That's a wolf. And the Lord doesn't take kindly to wolves. Wolves that appear in sheep's clothing with the intent to divide, to save their own hide. We need to grow up. I said, we need to grow up. It's not wrong to check with the Spirit of God and the Word of God when someone says something that's supposedly from God. Amen? What, what my job for you is to get you and I in unity. Now, I, I would love to be the day, and I, it's not going to happen, where everybody, every church, every denomination, we all agree about everything. But the most important thing we agree about is that Jesus is the Son of God. He was born of a virgin. He died on a cross. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. He died. You don't even have to agree with me that he went to hell, but he died. <laughs> he did go to hell. He died, and then on the third day he rose up, put his blood on the mercy seat, and he is the only way to the Father. And if someone is truly born again, we can agree on that, and we're brothers and sisters, and we're going to live together forever in heaven. And I'm not going to fuss at you over the small stuff. I may not be able to have fellowship with you on everything, but I can have fellowship with you. I better be able to have fellowship with you around that. If I can't even have fellowship with you around that, even if you've got a collar around your neck, I can't have fellowship with you. Because if you don't agree what I just said, then you're not born again. And what you're saying is a bunch of nonsense. You understand? But we're not supposed to fight. We're not supposed to strive. It's not in my notes, but um, you, you studied the subject of strife. What, is, what does James say? Where there's strife and envy, there's what? How many? Y'all, do you realize how big that is? Do you understand why the devil works morning, noon, and night, especially if you're married, to get you to fight with one another? Well, it's healthy to fight. Eh, who said you're not going to always agree, but you can disagree agreeably. Name calling, you always, you never. Do a little marriage counseling right now. Hallelujah. You always, you never. You ought to take those out of your vocabulary because no one always and no one never. But do you understand? If you understand, right, right when you're in the middle of your next fussing, no matter who it's with, I pray the Holy Ghost snaps hold of you. And you understand that strife of any kind is of the devil. And when he brings strife into a room, into a church, into a business, into uh, any kind of relationship, that that is the devil meaning to divide and conquer it. Because where there's strife and envy, there's how many? 
Can you think of all the evil works? I mean, that's too many to think of. And the Bible doesn't make statements that it doesn't mean. The Holy Ghost is warning you and I. Uh, you know, the, uh, the Bible in Proverbs talks about uh, if you can silence the whispers, you can silence the strife. So people going around whispering, whispering, whispering. Now don't tell anyone, but this is what I heard. Do you know that everybody's got one person that won't tell? Everybody has one person they know who won't tell. That's why it always gets back to you. Because everybody has one. Now, you can prove a person that really won't tell. I had this pastor, uh, wasn't a friend of ours, but was in our group. Uh, over in, He's retired, I think since gone home to be with the Lord. Uh, he didn't want to do any counseling. So he got up one day from the pulpit and said, Y'all, I can't keep a secret to save my life. He said the counseling went down to zero. I can keep a secret. She can keep a secret. My pastors on staff can keep a secret. But not everybody you know can keep one. And if it's a whisper, listen, if you're telling anybody, man, we are, we are, we are, we are, we're talking about unity. You want to keep unity in your home? You want to keep unity among your friend group? You want to keep unity in your family? You want to keep unity in church? You want to keep unity in business? You want to keep unity where you work? You want to keep unity anywhere you go? Then you're not a part of the whispering. And listen, if you're telling someone who can't do anything about it, that's a sin. Because it's gossip. If you're telling someone who can't do anything about it. Now... Now, this, this gets a little, we, I don't, why are we here? I don't know. But, but, but that doesn't mean you keep everything to yourself. If there's something wrong, you find someone who can do something about it. And you tell. You don't keep things a secret that are wrong. You know, I've had people say, you know, this and so, something going wrong, and we didn't want to spoil the unity, or we wanted to be submissive. But if you see something going wrong, if you come to, to me or you come to her uh, or to a pastor, uh, associate pastor, um, they can fix it or they can hear it and they can do something about it. So keeping the unity and the bond of peace is not holding the lie or holding the secret that could hurt somebody else. It's all kinds of stuff to this. We have gone to talking about lots of stuff in here. Where there's strife and envy, there's what? So we want to stay away from strife. We want to stay away from envy. Strife is of the devil. Strife comes from pride. Strife is what the devil caused. Amen? And it's our job, my job, one of my jobs, one of our jobs as a pastoral staff is to bring us into unity of the faith, to make us one. What, what? One heart, one purpose, one voice. And that's interesting. Uh, how's it, how, do we, how do we become one voice? I'm always reminded of an orchestra. Um, I grew up in, uh, uh, I quit the band when I was a freshman in high school because I was a terrible marcher and I had some problems going on. And my state, uh, my high school band was the a state of Illinois marching champion and they didn't put up with any rejects and I couldn't do it. Anyway, so I, I love to play, but I got out. And, uh, uh, and so, um, but 
I, rem- I remember um, even when I was in junior high, and, and as parents, if you've got anybody in the band, you know it's true. Have you ever gone into the room where they're squeaking and squawking as they're all warming up and the clarinets are honking and, and, the, and, and, and nothing sounds good? But even at that age, you know, the, um, choir, the uh, band director gets a little baton and gets them all quiet, and they're all playing the same piece of music, and it's not the most enjoyable sound you've ever heard, but it's pretty good, you know, for that age. So how can we get in unity, especially at Cornerstone Word of Life, where everybody looks different and everybody comes from different backgrounds and even speaks some different languages and different ages? How can that be? Well, you're, you're a part of the body of Christ. You're an instrument in the hand of God. And as long as we follow the conductor, which is not me, is the Holy Ghost, then we'll all be playing the same music, singing the same song. And that's how you get Harmony. That's how you get unity. That's because God's not asking you to lose your individualism because you have a specific gift. You have a specific call. You're a specific you, and he kind of likes you. Well, the sanctified you he likes. He likes the sanctified version of me, right? And so it's not about losing your individualism, right? It's not all of us looking the same, acting the same. It's kind of all of us talking the same, but not even expressing talking the same in the same way. Do you understand? Um, It's kind of like, um, and and sometimes when people come in, it takes them a little while to learn the biblical lingo. I remember when texting came out. Y'all remember how long ago that was? And I really was an abstainer. I hate texting. I think it's worse than grunting. Um, I think that's all texting is, is grunting. I, I despised it. I wouldn't do it. And then I was like, well, everybody's doing it. All my friends are doing it. And so one Christmas, I thought I would get involved. And um, so everybody was sending me Christmas greetings. And I never would answer back because I, I refused to text. If you want to talk to me, call, you know, back in the day, call me. Um, hardly anybody has my number now, but call me and we'll, you know, tell me Merry Christmas. You know, at least I can hear your voice, but no, this texting thing. So I began to ask, I began to do it back. And so I would say, I I texted back, Merry Christmas to you too, LOL. And I did it to about what, 20 people. And finally somebody was my friend and like, what in the world? Why, why are you laughing out loud? I'm like, no, I thought that meant lots of love. Mm. That makes sense, doesn't it? I don't know what y'all saying. And, and sometimes, you know, we come in with different language and different things, in it, and we do have to learn. We do have to learn, but the Lord all wants us on the same page. Well, that'll make you LOL. Hallelujah. And I meant it with all my heart. Love, lots of love. And these question marks came back. What? Was it finally you that said, I was like, why are these? I don't remember. I remember who it was. Maybe it was Travis. Somebody said, what? First Peter 3.8. Finally, First Peter 3.8. Finally, be of one mind. Having compassion one for another. So being of one mind means that you'll, the compassion will come out. Love as brothers. Be pitiful or be, be generous. Be courteous. So people who are of one mind, who have peace, you can tell because how they treat the brethren. 
how they, how they interact with people. They're compassionate people. So where there's unity, where there's peace, there's also a lot of compassion. What is a compassion? Compassion is the desire to give aid and show mercy. So just feel, it's not feeling sorry for somebody. Feeling sorry for someone is, oh, that's a terrible thing. I'm sorry that happened to you. But the Lord doesn't have compassion, and you and I, the Lord has compassion, and you and I should have compassion. He doesn't just say, oh, that's too bad. He was moved with compassion. And where there is unity and where there's peace, you'll be moved with compassion. And you'll love each other. Praise the Lord. Philippians 2.2. 2. Philippians 2.2. 2. Just wanted to show you what the Bible has to say. What Ephesians 4.3 is what we're jumping off of. Keep the unity in the spirit in the bond of peace. Philippians 2.2 2 says, fulfill ye my joy that you be like-minded. Everybody say we're like-minded. How did we get like-minded? The word made us like-minded. I didn't make you like-minded. The word makes us like-minded. And if we're not like-minded because of the word, we're like-minded in the wrong direction. As a born-again believer, our like-mindedness comes because of the word. Oh, help me. If you don't like me because I'm not vocal about a certain area that you think I ought to be vocal at, then, then that's too bad. But if you want to be like-minded with the word of God, then we can be like-minded. If the things of this world are more important to you, than the kingdom of God, you and I are not going to be like-minded. I can be nice to you. We can be born again. We can, have, we can have some kind of fellowship. But really, the only way you're going to have the deepest fellowship is that you, that you be like-minded. Amen. In a marriage, it's really best if you're like-minded. And having the same love, being in one accord. Oh, being in one accord. That's not talking about a Honda. That is talking about you and I being together, uh, going the same direction, and being one mind. Everybody say, I'm, uh, uh, say, I'm like-minded. I'm in one accord and of one mind. Isn't that interesting? Only the Holy Ghost can do that. Only the word of God can do that. You can't get a bunch of people together from different backgrounds, different ages, different cultures from all over the world and be of one mind, be of one heart. There's even, you, there's something in you when someone is like-minded, uh, like heart, that, that you can be drawn to. I want to tell you, this, this count comes up. Um, when I first got in the ministry, uh, before I went to Bible school, I went to the nation of Brazil. And in Brazil, we would minister in different churches, and I became friends. And um, you, most of you heard the story, but I wanted to move there. I wanted to live there. And... Um, um, you know, so I'd made some friends and stuff and we went back. Uh, so this next year we went back. Um, I think it was, um, 1990, uh, 19, where, where am I? Uh, must have been, yeah, it must have been August of nine or something like that. But anyway, uh, this guy, uh, was, uh, up closing the prayer and, um, his name happened to be Marcos. Uh, he was up closing the prayer and, um, he was praying in Portuguese but as he was praying in Portuguese, which I can't understand much, I know a little bit of Spanish, just enough to be dangerous, but no follow Portuguese, and I don't know anything, but he's praying, and something like, we were close, but I hadn't seen him in two years, but suddenly I'm like, dude, something's happened, but I don't understand a word he's saying, I just catch it. And so I take my interpreter, Hudson, and we go over and I'm like, hey, Marcos, what's up? What's been going on? Where, where have you been? What have you been doing? He said, well, I'm going... Um, 
to a Bible school. Have you ever heard of it? I was like, what? He's like, the guy who founded it, his name is Bud Wright. It's a rhema. Do you ever heard of rhema? I'm like, uh-huh. He was praying in Portuguese. But that spirit of faith that he was carrying, I recognized it. And you can recognize it. And, and there's just something, you know, I know there's different levels of this. But we ought to get to the level, at least around here, being like-minded, having the same love, being in one accord, being in one mind. When you get there, something happens. I'm trying to get there. I don't want to leave you hanging here because i got to get there. Um, Romans 15, 6. Romans 15, 6. That you may be one mind and with one mouth glorify God. Well, how... You, which mouth? Your mouth, Pastor? No. It, it, it's, the, it's the being in unity. It's being in one accord. It, it's not even saying the same thing, but it's saying it with the same heart. It's lifting up the word of God. That you be in one mind and one mouth. Everybody say, I'm one mind, one mouth, glorify God. Why is this so important? Psalms 133. Y'all know this, Psalms. Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in what? What, what, Ephesians 4, 3. Endeavoring to keep the unity in the bond of peace. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, till we all come into unity. Those scriptures, so many of them. One mind, one heart. Why? Because that's where God moves. God doesn't move in chaos. God doesn't move in strife. You say, well, that doesn't, he's God. He can do anything. Oh, then why did, um, uh, when Jesus went to Jairus' house, why did he throw them all out? Because if he's just God, he can just do anything he wants. No, he got him out of the room. Why? He needed to change the atmosphere. And then Peter was a good study because he went to raise Dorcas or Tabitha from the dead and the same thing was happening. What did he do to them? He kicked them all out. Why? He wanted to change the atmosphere. Listen to me, somebody in this room. You need to change the atmosphere in your home. You need to change the atmosphere in your home. Well, how do I do that? Lift up your hands. How many of you know if you live by yourself, your atmosphere in your house ought to be tight? I mean, it ought to be awesome. <laughs> if it's just you and the dog, I mean, you should, that should be the peaceful dog. You know what I'm saying? But when you start adding people, You have to work at it. Guard it. Guard it. Guard it. Doesn't mean you know, as a married couple you don't talk about stuff. That's just that's no no no. That's if you if you come don't you leave here saying Pastor Mark said we can't talk about it. Pastor Mark didn't say you can't. Talk, Pastor Mark says you better talk about it. But you better do it agreeably, and you ought to come to a place of understanding. I didn't mean this would be a marriage seminar tonight. <laughs> But, but unity is so important. Unity is not just important in a church. Unity is part of your life. And I'll be real honest, it irritates me in my heart. Righteous indignation almost. And I see people, ministers, stirring up strife. Stirring up dissension. It is ungodly. And the body of Christ ought to be able to see that. God doesn't hate the harvest. He loves them very much. 
and he sent his son to die for them just like he died for us. And you and I need to have so much unity that we just blow that discord right out the room. I remember back in the day, it's kind of getting there again, the youth group. I used to uh, sneak over there a lot more than I do now, especially back at the A-frame, because it was just little cramped quarters, and there was like 120 kids in there. And it was kind of fun to go see it. But, you know, a lot of times kids, when they, they don't want to worship God, they're just they're mad, you know, that they even have to be there. And it's happening again. I, I can see it. But any new kid that would come, when you have 100 kids lifting their hands and praising God and full of the Holy Ghost and praying in other tongues, you're, you're the odd man out, so you just got to join in. And that's kind of what I want church to be. Even if it's new to somebody, they're like, well, everybody's doing it. can't be wrong. It feels right. It seems right. God's in the room. Everybody say, how good. It's, say, how good. how good. So God likes it. What is it like? Verse 2. It's like precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garment. This is what it's like. As the dew of Hermon and as the dew of the descended upon the mountains of Zion. For there. Everybody say there. there. Everybody wants to walk in the blessing, right? Everybody wants to, How many of the blessing of the Lord will make you rich and add no sorrow to it? Is that right? Everybody's just blessed. Eh. For there, where's there? On that mountain? No, in unity. There is unity. There, in a place of unity. Well, Pastor Mark, I can't qualify because, uh, you know, uh, there's too much discord in my house, so I'm going to get out of my house. No, uh, you need to work on your house because, you know, that's where God puts you. But you can get it into a place of unity, and unity comes in degrees. But our goal is to get it into a, perfect, uh, into a great place of unity. And there, everybody say there. there. What does the Lord do? Now listen, y'all, when the Lord commands something, that's pretty cool. And he commands the blessing on your house, and I want him to command the blessing on this house. There's life there. Amen. You know, uh, what else happens? Second Chronicles chapter 5. Remember, they were dedicating Solomon's temple, and they were saying, For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. Second Chronicles 5.13. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. And it says, uh, the trumpers and the singers were as what? One. Everybody say one. One faith. One Holy Ghost. One Jesus. One Father. One baptism. One. Unity, unity, unity. It came to pass the trumpers and singers were as one to make one sound. And they were all saying, for the Lord is good and his mercy. And they were lifting up their voice. And they were saying it together. Were they all just doing it in row? I don't think it was like everybody, everybody said all together in unison. For the Lord is good in the same monotone voice. I think everybody was being them. But it was the place they were in oneness. And then what happened? Then what, where, is, where there's unity, the blessing comes. Where there's unity, the glory comes. I want to see the glory. I want to see God's glory. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. Acts 1, 14, they were all continuing in one accord. In prayer and supplication with women, the Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus. They were in what? They were in one accord. They were in one accord. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts 2, 1. And when the day, Acts 2, 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one accord. In one place. 
I don't think that just meant the physical place. I think that means they were in the same spiritual place. They were in the same physical place, but they needed to be in the same spiritual place and they were all in unity and they were in one accord. How important is it? Creating an atmosphere for God to move in is obviously of, of utmost importance to him. To the Lord. Acts chapter 20, Acts chapter 4, verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God. Remember, Peter and John can't teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus, went back to their own company of believers. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Verse 32, verse 32, verse 32. And the multitude that believed were of one heart and one soul. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all in one accord. So even in the early church, they were in unity. They were in one accord. The Lord worked very hard to get us in one accord, one voice. So let's guard it. And we're just going through the book of Ephesians, but man, this popped out to me today. Guard the unity in the church. Guard unity in your home. Guard unity because it's where the Lord needs it. He seems to need it. Uh, I, I think if he didn't need it, then heaven might be having some chaos, but it doesn't have any chaos. And when the enemy tried to cause chaos, he kicked him out. God doesn't seem to tolerate it well. He doesn't move in it. Chaos is from the enemy. It's from the father of lies. Well, I just work best in chaos. I don't think so. Chaos is fun. Not really. You've never enjoyed peace that passes all understanding. It guards your heart and your mind. And unity is so important. Because that's where God pours out his blessing. That's when the glory comes. That's when the power falls. Not just at church. That could happen in your house. Practice it when you're alone. Because that's the easiest to get it. But don't become an isolationist. Come join us and bring what you're experiencing. Hallelujah. He's so good. I mean, this unity in one accord... It's so powerful. You know, Ecclesiastes talks about, uh, you know, two are better than one because the one falls down, the other can help him up. What is that? It's a picture of unity. It's a picture of having someone, a threefold cord is not easily broken. How about the prayer of agreement? What is agreement? Being one. What it, I used to, since I don't teach it anymore, I can trick some of you. Uh, but some of you Bible institutors who are a long time ago, I used to do this. It was mean. Uh, I said I would have them, don't raise your hand or anything. But I say, everybody, because I was teaching Bible Institute and I could be a little more honorary with them. I said, everybody in the room, have you prayed the prayer of agreement and it didn't work? Lift your hand. And I was really bold about it because they thought I was going to talk about how they prayed the prayer of agreement and it didn't work. And so all the time, you know, 75% of the group, unless it was somebody who had somebody just previous year go through and told them, don't raise your hand when he asked you that question. Because this is the truth, you've never prayed the prayer of agreement that it didn't come to pass. Well, yeah, I could, no, you didn't. What does that mean? You weren't in agreement. Because the Lord says, when any two of you touch anything here on the earth and you agree, it shall come to pass. The happening is you're working with two human beings. 
And the whole point of the prayer of agreement is when somebody begins to falter, you kick them in the seat of the pants and say, that's not what we're, pray- that's not what we're agreeing about. That's not what we said, and that's not what's going to happen. Remember what the word said. Remember what we agreed on. The whole point of a prayer, and this happens in our kind of church. People come up and say, can you agree with me in prayer? And I'll say, and don't get mad at me, I'll say, well, I'll pray for you. But agreement is a covenant. And that means you want me, if you do the prayer of agreement right, that means if you got something going on, then I'm going to call you, Ollie, uh, what, how you doing on this? Well, nope, no well. Or I see you sulking, and I'm like, what are you downcast about? Well, that thing, not. Nah. So we kick each other. That's really the prayer of agreement. It's not the give it, can you agree with me and I'll never see you again. That's, that's not the prayer of agreement. The prayer of agreement is you're working with somebody. And you work it until it manifests. That's real agreement. Why? Because if two of you ever agree on something, it shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. It shall come to pass. Can't be flippant with the word of God. Y'all understand me? Let me give you something you're excited about before you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But that's exciting if you agree. Can can you see agreement? It comes to pass, doesn't it? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Uh, Even the Lord in his mercy and his kindness. Do you remember the Tower of Babel in the Old Covenant? They were all in agreement. They were in unity in one accord. They were just going the wrong direction. But you know what he said about them? If I don't stop them, nothing's going to be impossible. But they were going the wrong direction. There's something about agreement. There's something about unity that just changes the dynamic of things. Because you even know this. um, If if one can put a thousand to flight, two can do what? So that's not multiplication. That's exponential. If one... But if two who are one can put, that's exponential. The devil knows the exponential power of agreement. The devil knows the exponential power of unity. That's why he'll fight you on it morning, noon, and night. Well, Pastor Mark, my life would be whole much better if my husband or my wife would just get in agreement with me. If they would just do what I say. Oh, why don't we just do what the Lord says? Let's find out what the Lord says, and that's what we can agree on. Because then a threefold cord is not easily broken. And everybody's right in their own mind. Hallelujah. But it's the Lord. Aren't you glad that butt's there? But it's the Lord. 